Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Ryan Berlin and Ashley Berlin. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. This is the show about maximizing your health without drugs or surgery. Today, we're talking about something I'm really kind of passionate about right now, and I'm, I'm loving this idea of that. What is our goal for our health and our life? Like, is it is it living longer? Is it living better? Is it living healthier? And uh, Ashley and I have been having this conversation lately and, you know, if you've listened to our show for any period of time, um, you know that we are people of faith, that we're Christians. We believe in um, we, be, we believe that one of the one of the core beliefs, I believe, is that that we believe God is the author and finisher of our faith, that we believe Absolutely. that he created us. And he also knows when we're when he's done with us. Right. And so this idea of when we go, we're going to go. Um, I believe that we're still here because. He's not done with us yet. Our mission, our mission is not over. Our work's not over. But I, I like this idea of can we actually do anything to increase our longevity, or should our focus actually just be, be, be on living a better quality of health, regardless of how many years we're here? Because I think what got me up provoked on this is the idea that when somebody finds out that they have a a condition, right. Their initial thought is, I don't want to die, right? right I mean, right. down to its core, its core thing is, I, I don't want to die. And because they don't want to die, they end up taking sometimes some dramatic steps, surgically, right. drug interventions, et cetera. And those interventions, the, the idea is that it's going to help prolong their life or give them the best chance to live longer. Yes. When in reality, your focus should be on living better health. Mm, that's good. And I think if we really focus on living better health, then we would not do a lot of the medical things. We would do more holistic things and change our lifestyle. Right. And realize that and just live. Like, where do we get this idea that swallowing eight or 10 pills a day is what's going to help you live healthier longer? Well, I think the. The interesting thing about the conversation is that, especially when you're talking about health in general, is that no one gets out of this alive, right? <laughs> like, like even even when you're talking about, uh, you know, I've I've run in circles with my <clears throat> research on genetics um, with a lot of people who call themselves their title is actually a longevity expert, um, and these are the people that are that are literally trying to to talk to you about how to make how to add years onto your life, right? How to go from instead of you know dying at 70 how do you die at 90 or 100 um i spoke with somebody the other day who said that their grandmother live to 105 that's awesome incredible right incredible but you know when it's your time it's your time right and so absolutely and i think you know and one of the things that has always plagued me a little bit is the idea of <clears throat> that we all know someone every one of us knows someone who did everything wrong mm-hmm and lived to be like a hundred years old. You know, I always use the example of George Burns just because growing up, I remember seeing him and you know, he was in so many movies. It seemed like he was always playing either God or something. He was like the Morgan <laughs> Freeman of back then, but it was interesting because um, he always had scotch and a cigar in his hand Yeah, and lived to be a hundred years old. Right. And yet then, you know, my example in my life is unfortunately we all know somebody too, who, who seemed to be doing things well or right. Right. 
and um, died at a very young age. And unfortunately for me, mine was uh, one of my uncles, one of my dad's brothers, who um, was very healthy by uh, lifestyle, you know, choices. And so what is it all about? So that being said, do we actually get to choose how long we live? Are we living longer? Because some people are like, oh, I, a, a patient told me the other day, well, we're living so much longer than we used to. And, and, and the truth is, actually, we're not. We have an article here um, talking about about that. Ash is going to share some of the stats in. But what's really interesting is what is our focus on? And why is this important? Because I think that so many people, their goal is to live a long, healthy life, but they're actually compromising healthy for longevity and they're not even and you're not actually going to get longevity. Right. So they they think they're going like so they find out they have a condition and they're told they have to take X, Y and Z medication or else what's going to happen? What's going to happen is they're going to get disease and they're going right. to go down the road of dying sooner than they should. So they take X, Y and Z medication. And what it really does is robs them of health in the time that they're taking it. Right. And they end up living the same that they were going to live anyway, because I don't actually think that we can change when we go. I that's don't think we decide so, that. It's, that's so interesting. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Before doing the research for the show, I probably would have been on team patient that you just talked about, your, your patient that said that, you know, all those hunter gatherers, they died when they were like 30. <laughs> Back, you know, like hundreds of years ago, people just had, you know, clubs that they killed animals with and they died at 30. And like, that's a fact. That felt very factual to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that doing the research for this show today, um, we found some really incredible, uh, incredible people that, that have shown that that's actually not the case. That um, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Michael Gervin. He's an anthropologist at UC Santa Barbara, and he studies actually the hunter-gatherer lifespan and he said that um anyone in that time period now what's dragging those statistics down is the people who died in their childhood yeah so then maybe if you average all of that that's why we all think that everyone died at 30 because you know well, maybe because that was they the were average. giving birth in caves or whatever right, right right and so kids maybe more kids died but that drove down the the age so how the long did people live how long did our right cavemen so, so to speak live yes in the hunter-gatherer lifespan if you survive your childhood you live to be somewhere between 68 to 78 years old oh well, that's interesting <laughs> that's what's really the interesting. average lifespan now of a human being uh, World Health Organization, based on the data of 2016, says you can expect to live 71.4 years. Wait a minute. So we're living <laughs> pretty much exactly the same. Shorter, if anything. <laughs> Shorter, if anything. But yeah. From so wait, wait. All the advancements in modern medicine, all the drugs, all the surgeries, robots that can go in, in through a, uh, you know, a blood vessel and right. put a stint in your heart, uh, shooting lasers, right? We can we can put literally microscope uh, laser scop laparoscopic surgery and shoot lasers and 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 take apart your gallbladder uh, without even having to go in and and remove it. We can do all this stuff yet we're actually living on average about 7 years young less. About no I, I'm going to be honest with you the um there's two there's two different organizations that do the stats on longevity. So World Health Organization is one of them. They say 71.4 years. Um, the center in the U.S., the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, put life expectancy um, at 
years. So well, we live in the wealthiest country in the world, and we're able to do a lot more. Do a lot more, you know, than other people. But that I mean, we still have, puts us in the range of what the hunter gathers. So we're living no longer than cavemen. No longer than cavemen. Nope. Yeah, we have all these advancements, so to speak. Now, here, here's here's some sad stats. You ready? <clears throat> We spend more on healthcare than anybody else in the world in the U.S., yet we have the most chronic illness in the world. One category that we actually have been shown to be better than everyone else at is potential years of life lost to disease, meaning you live longer. You live to be 78 years old, which is a little bit longer than the 71-year-old average in the world. However, you're on medication for chronic disease and you've been having surgeries and medical intervention for 40 years of your life and, and you've been miserable because you've been in and out of hospital. So this is what I'm talking about is I think if, our, if we shift our focus and our mindset to regardless of what happens, you're going to roughly live on average 78 years. Right. So whether you end up getting diagnosed with heart disease, cancer, whatever, on average, you're going to live about 78 years, you know, right. as a whole. So now what you should start living your life for is quality. You yes. should start living for how long can I keep my health? How many of those 78 years can I be vibrant, healthy, well-functioning, uh, happy, uh, enjoy my life, um, not not have to swallow tons of medication. How how many of those seventy eight years can I avoid being in a doctor's office? Yes. How many of those seventy eight years? <laughs> oh like, no, not the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> we were just listening to one of my friend's podcast recently. He was talking about how um, there's a, there's a, something some new research out that shows that iatrogenic uh, death is actually one of the leading causes of, of death in the United States. That it kills. Almost as many people every single year as heart disease or cancer. Right. And so that what he was saying in this was, like, think about finding out somebody has cancer. Like, your response is visceral. It's like, oh, crap. Bob has cancer. <laughs> what kind of cancer? She's laughing because she knows the punchline that's punch coming. Line, but it's like, oh, crap. Bob has cancer. What kind of cancer does he have? Oh, so Mary has heart disease? What are they going to do? When's her surgery? Are they going to put a stint in? But medical care from, you know, all the risks of like secondary infections and, and drug interactions and, you know, pe but people dying from treatment kills almost as many people as heart disease or cancer. So the reaction should be, and this is what he was saying, is that you find out that someone's in the hospital, you should be like, why is Bob in the hospital? Like, what? We got to get him out of there. Like, we got to <laughs> jailbreak him or something. Because the the reality yes. is that the the that we should have that same visceral response because it's a dangerous place to be. You know, as Jim Gaffigan was talking about when his wife had, you know, kids at home instead of having kids in the hospital, they said, "What? you know, why, why wouldn't you want to have your kids in a hospital? He's like, my wife didn't want to give birth in a gown that someone died in yesterday. And, and exactly. the reality is that the hospital is a place where people go to, to die, right. not necessarily to be healthy. And, and if you don't believe this to be true, you know, walk around a hospital and, and, and you know, next time you're in there with a family member, listen to what's what's going on in that place. You know, the bells and the whistles and the things that are going off everywhere oh to alert them that somebody's not doing well. Right. And then the intervention. So a hospital, like very simply put, none of us want to end up in the hospital. Nope. Very simply put, none of us want to end up in a nursing home. Very simply put, none of us want to take more drugs in our lifetime. Very simply put, none of us want more surgery. So if that's the case, then why is your focus on doing all of those things to keep your life right. versus 
trying to stay as far away from those things as possible by changing your lifestyle so that you can keep your, your state of living. And so I think if we shift our focus, if we shift our focus away from longevity, because we can't change it anyway, it, it, the research has shown that since we were cavemen till now, we're not changing longevity right. with all these medical advancements. Right. We're actually, we have more heart. So this is crazy. We have more heart disease than ever in history. Right. We have more cancer than ever in history. So very simply put, you know, we were talking about how they would have you to believe that we're doing well at treating cancer. We're doing well at treating heart disease. We're not. We have more than ever in history. And their survival rates aren't getting dramatically better. They may be increasing a little bit, but for the little bit that we're changing survival rates for the ones that we are getting better at treating, we're, we're creating more cancers right. across the board. So more people have it. Yet we might have a slight improvement in our survival rates for a certain population. So I think it's just a matter of asking the wrong questions. Like one of the questions that I think about whenever you take a drug, so like high blood pressure medication, for instance. Yeah. Does it lower blood pressure? Absolutely. But that's not the question we should be asking. We should be asking, does that actually decrease our risk of death from heart disease? Yes. And the answer to that question is it does almost none about four to seven percent at best so does it lower your blood pressure yes but if you have high blood pressure does lowering that blood pressure change your risk of heart disease very minimally four to seven percent yet eating the right way mediterranean diets etc and exercise in the right way have been shown to decrease your risk of heart disease by 24 to 70 percent so every drug commercial you ever see, what do they say? This has been shown to decrease your risk of heart disease when combined with? <laughs> exercise and diet. Diet and exercise. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what also has been shown to decrease your risk of heart disease? Diet and exercise without the stupid drug. <laughs> and so the reality is if we just started doing the things yeah. habit-wise. And so last week we talked a little bit about habits and why people don't start new habits or how to you know create new habits. And, and I, I guess the one thing is, it, it it all goes down to what is your what is the what is the lens you're looking through and what uh, is yes. what is the view yes. that you have of what life should be like should it be gluttony and just eat whatever you want i should be able to do what i want drink what i want take care of my body in the way that i want i was just listening like two of the smartest people in the world uh warren buffett and uh bill gates both drink soda every day one drinks diet soda and one drinks coca cola oh, that's the most idiotic oh, sorry I shouldn't say that. If you drink soda, I don't I don't want to say that, but it's one of the worst decisions that you could make for your health when is you know drinking better. high yep. caloric, high sugar or, you know, high artificial sweetener, you know, food, let's call it for lack of a better term. You know, it, it's like if you're smoking cigarettes, no offense, it's a bad health decision. Right. And one day you're going to have emphysema or you're going to be laying in a hospital bed and you're going to be hooked up to something that's breathing for you and you're going to go I knew, I, knew, I knew it was a bad decision. I knew it was a bad decision, right. The same thing for sodas, like through diabetes, through weight gain, through being obese, through increasing your risk of cancer. One day you're going to face that and go, man, I knew it was, I, all along I knew it was a bad decision. So you got one of the smartest people in the world who's actually figured out the energy crisis and how to recapture um, emissions from all of our, our nuclear waste we currently have. And he says he could save our, 
our energy issues by just recapturing our current nu- nuclear waste and exhausting it till there's no radiation left wow. and making energy out of it. He's that smart, yet he drinks diet soda every day. Well, I, you know, I think that there, here's here's a here's a question, and I think that this is how you view your health, and you either view it philosophically as you're in control of it and the decisions that you make matter, or you view your health as I'm not in control of it. It doesn't matter what I do, and 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 because because anything that I do, just like like my health is going to happen anyway, and so it doesn't matter what I do, and so I'm just going to keep eating this, and I have no responsibility, and I'm not a person that you know is in charge of my own health, or you're a person who knows that mathematically speaking, like carrot and salad have a reaction in your body, they you have a physiological physiological response to that, and it creates health inside of you, that you are a creator, that we're made in the image of God, and we are creators. And we create in our body, we create with our words, we create with what we eat. We, like, it's, it's all creation. I know I just went a, little, I went a little far with that one, but listen, you, you either, you believe one way or the other. Yeah, so philosophically, I guess this is, this is interesting, and, I, and I've never actually thought about it through this lens before until preparing for today's show, and now as you're speaking, it's actually resonating more. So this just, like, this literally just kind of provoked that. I mean, you saying this is a big part of medicine, I think the most egotistical part of medicine, and the, and the part that doesn't resonate well with me is that a doctor is going to save your life. And I, I, honestly, I just don't think that we actually control that. And I know, I know this is going to sound weird, but you're you're going to say, well, of course they save some lives. I mean, I've seen them. Like I used to watch uh, Grey's Anatomy. They put <laughs> the, the paddles on, clear, yeah, boom, yeah, and they bring yeah, somebody yeah. back. Well, I don't know. Maybe God wanted that person back. Mm-hmm. Maybe how about the times they put the paddles on and it doesn't save the person's life? Right. Then whose whose fault is that? And so all I'm saying is, if we really look at it through the lens of nothing that we do is going to change when you go, that God says He's the author and finisher of your faith, right? That that. He, he's the beginning and the end. He Mm -hmm. numbers your days. He literally says that he numbers a man's days. So if that's the truth, then the only thing you get to influence is the quality of those days. Yes. And so if we stop looking at medicine through the lens of trying to lengthen someone's time, and we started looking through the lens of trying to increase the quality of their life, then we would try to get them off medications. We would try to get them healthy. We would try to get them exercising. We would try to get them eating well. We would try to improve their relationships. We would try to decrease their stress levels or better yet, teach them things that help them to manage stressful, you know, teach them tools and tactics. But that's not what medicine does because that would be a vitalistic approach. That would be saying we are going to try to increase the vitality of the person, not their longevity. Yes. That we're going to try to make them vibrate on a cellular level down in the healthiest way we can. So how do we give them the most life-giving food? How do we give them developing the best habits? How do we, how do we set this up in such a way to where we're moving them in the right direction? And if you look at a hospital, you look at a doctor's office, you look at anything, there's none of that. It's designed, it, it's literally designed to how do we assist them so that as they're dying, they're more comfortable basically is what medicine right. is. How do we give the, how do we put the masking tape over the check engine light so they don't feel the effects of their choices? How do we how do we make them more comfortable as they're as they're slowly becoming more miserable? That's right. really what medicine is. And and so like if we were truly honest with ourselves about and I think this is where doctors like doctors 
Um, this is what, like, you know, they, they talk about lawyers being, like, having the highest amount of alcoholism and being miserable. And yeah. they have high suicide rates and stuff like that. Dentists, um, very similar. It's weird. They have high suicide rates. Might be all the mercury they worked with for years. But right. but doctors are right now becoming a highly depressed group. They're more overweight than their patients. They're in worse health than their patients. Their life expectancy is actually lower than their patients. The average doctor, the life expectancy, I think, now is, like, 58 or something like that. So mm. when it's 78 nationally and a doctor's 58, you have to wonder, like, I'm taking advice from someone who, statistically speaking, isn't going to live as long as I am. Right, 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 right. That's weird. And so I think I think this is where doctors are becoming frustrated or depressed is because they know that what they're doing isn't moving the needle. In fact, in this article, they literally said that. This article Ashley and I were reading, they said that, yes, we have changed we have got, you know, gotten better at some things, but has, has medicine actually moved the needle when it comes to longevity? And they said, not really. So it, what's interesting is they said that the, the biggest decline and drop in life expectancy, this was really interesting. The biggest decline was actually when we all started producing lot, lots more amounts of food and being able to live in closer quarters and have communities and all this. Yeah. That us living closer together before we figured out like sewage and yes. washing our hands that yes. it actually promoted more disease that people had animals and pets and diseases were spread amongst their animals and pets once they were living closer together. And it wasn't until sanitation. It's funny. It wasn't even vaccination. It was sanitation. Sanitation was the number one influencer. What's funny is the antibiotics and vaccines got to piggyback this, but every major disease, every single one was on the decline just from washing hands and having sewage and not, you know, going outside to the outhouse. Right. And let me, I got to read you this clip from this article because the author of the article says it so beautifully themselves that this this is literally from, from the author of this article. Um, Does medicine actually make people live longer from the Huffington, Huffington Post? Um, We're deeply invested in the myth that medicine has drastically increased the human lifespan and will continue to do so. As Lieberman pointed out, the gentleman who is studying longevity, um, the healthcare industry heavily markets its own importance and pushes treating illness over preventing it with lifestyle modifications. And humans are lazy. It's easier to take pills than exercise. Yeah. According to Lieberman, one of the guys interviewing this article, I like this one where he says... What did they do for heart disease back in, in Paleolithic times? Like, where, where would they go right. if they had heart disease? Right, he said, right. well, according to Lieberman, um, heart disease, which is now the number one cause of death in the United States, kills about 900,000 people a year, 890,000 people a year, something like that. Um, or sorry, in the world. Right. In the U.S., I think it kills about 400,000 or something. The number one cause of death in the U.S. is heart disease. We didn't need cardiologists in the Paleolithic times, he said. He stressed that almost all heart disease is preventable, and it's due to smoking, poor diet, and lack of exercise, none of which existed right. back in that time frame. So right. they didn't need cardiologists because there was no such thing as heart disease. Right, right, right. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, he says, why do I hear so many people talking about medicine like it's some ticket to immortality? I love that line. Well, I, and I think that, that that is the thing, is that there, that if you view yourself, if you view that you would be able to manipulate your physiology enough to live longer, to expand your life, and that you know your days aren't a set number on earth, that, that I think that you will always – death is a scary thing. You know, my dad's a pastor. We've had this conversation a lot of times. Why is death so scary? And he's like, Ashley, because you don't 
you don't do it. <laughs> like it only happens once and then it's over. Yeah, very, very few people have ever come back from it to tell how how great it is on the other side. Right, right. And going to sleep every night isn't scary because you do it every single night yeah. and you wake up every single day and you see the sunrise and, and and there's so many things that you just are so familiar with and they're not scary. It's the unknown that is fearful. And so that's why death is so fearful is because of the unknown element of it. And so so I think that that there are so many things that we're willing to sacrifice or 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 um, lines in the sand that we're willing to um, erase and just run over and run straight to a pharmaceutical and run straight to a hospital because we're scared. But if we have the faith and if we have the the um, resiliency inside of us to just know I'm going to just live a better quality of life, if quality is your focus and not quantity then there's just so many beautiful opportunities on how you can live your life. So here's the problem is if quantity is your focus, <clears throat> then you just don't know the data because the data says you can't change it. The data says, I mean, as far as living to 150 or living, you know, any further past 100, we're no closer to that today than we were 10,000 years ago. It's incredible. So what's interesting, what are we good at? And this is a direct quote from this article. Doctors can't cure most chronic diseases, but they can keep people dying longer. Yes. Right. So they can they can. And, and what's interesting is that doesn't mean they're increasing your lifespan. That mm -hmm. means that when you get disease at an earlier point in your life, they can keep you from dying of it, maybe at a younger age. Right. But the average age is still only 78. We're just more sick for 30 or 40 years of it. The least healthy population in the entire world right now, the people who are getting chronic disease at, at in more amounts at younger ages than ever are millennials. The I average know. age right now, the average age where somebody ends up on a yep. medication for a chronic condition is 23 years old. So that's the fastest growing diseased demographic in the world. You know, I, I think of my mom and dad, and they grew up kind of in a post-baby boomer, born right. in a medicine cabinet. Most of, unfortunately, a lot of my family members are not healthy. It's the next generation that, you know, started getting healthier and seeing some changes. But then it started with baby boomers, It's actually, or uh, with uh, millennials, it's actually dramatically declining. You know, anti-anxiety medications, anti-psychotics, all these kids are on Ritalin, chronic chronic asthma inhaler usage, all, all these things. And it's not producing more health. It's actually, believe it or not, it's actually producing more disease. They start off on one medication, then they're on two, and then they're on three. The average child right now in the U.S. is on a medication, half, over half of them. It's insane. Over half of adults in the U.S. are on two or more medications. And so, you know, and, and the idea is they're on those medications thinking it's going to help them what? Help them. It's not going to help be healthier because if you gave those right. medications to a healthy person, Yes. If you took a healthy person, like the Jack LaLanes of the world, and he exercises, he eats well, and they say, here, take these three medications. How, how is it going to affect his health, positively or negatively? Negatively. Negatively. We call them side effects, but really they're just Perfects. the undesirable effects. Right. But he would start having problems from taking three medications that he doesn't, quote, need. Right. Yet we give them to someone who, quote, needs them, and supposedly it makes that person healthy. That's not how it works. Nope. That's not how it works. All it does is manipulate your physiology to, to reduce some of the symptomatology. But the underlying condition's still there. The, the check engine light might have duct tape over it, but you're still going to blow that engine. Right, right. So my, my, my word for you guys today is find a, f fire your doctor, fire him, and, and hire a nutritionist. Right. Uh, hire a personal trainer, right. hire a 
you know, health coach, hire a chiropractor who's going to, you know, proactively take care of you. Hire a, uh, you know, I don't know, figure out, find the areas of your life, like hire a, a relationship coach, not a divorce attorney. Yes. Right. Like that's, that's our, our take on health is right. Hire someone who's going to help you live a better life. Not someone who's going to help you, you know, die less miserable or die over a longer period of time. Like that, right. that isn't it. That if you're, if you're, if you're seeing the last thing is what, where are you trending right now? Right. Are you trending and getting worse or are you trending and getting better? If you're trending and getting worse, it's time to start reinvesting into some of these areas where you can start building a healthier life. You don't get to choose the number of your days. I truly believe that. If you want to work with someone who does this, check out our website. Go to drryanlive.com. So D-R-R-Y-A-N-Live, L-I-V-E.com. On that website, you can check out previous episodes of of our podcast, listen to previous shows. You can go to live events. You can you know, see all the things that we're doing there and and get registered for that stuff. Um, You can schedule an appointment in our office if you're looking to work with someone who's going to help you be healthy. Look at, we have relationships with the people that you're like, well, are there any doctors out here who do this? Yes, there are. Number one, I'm one of them. Number two, I have some medical doctors I can refer you to that also will move you away from medication. We have relationships with great nutritionists and people who know about food. We used to own a gym. We still have really good friends with the, the owners there who are great personal trainers, we can help you find a team that can help you put your life back together. Start focusing on the quality, not the quantity quantity of your life. So good. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate you being with us today. Check us out every week here um, on 55KRC, 7.30 a.m. for Align Your Health. This is the show about maximizing your health without drugs and surgery. Check us out at www.drryanlive.com or give us a call. 513-777-7575 is the number if you want to get in touch with us at our office. You guys have a great rest of uh, or great week. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station.